What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check us out on Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio, and um, that's where all the magic happens. This is Corey DLG, and with me, as always, is little brother Nico. What's going on, buddy? Hey, what's going on? You just uh, hanging out in your little anchor bunker? Yep, never going to leave ever again, so might as well get used to it. I just realized I use the same voice to talk to my dog that I do to talk to you. Well, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, as I was just saying hi to you, Cooper peeked his head into the room and was like, are you talking to me? Are we Are we doing a thing? <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you're beloved. I mean, you know, there it is. <laughs> Thanks, Cooper. <laughs> uh, it's Friday. Tomorrow's Halloween. Uh, it's cold. Um, it's not rainy today. It's been rainy all week. Um, how's it going? I mean, I'm more surprised that it's cold than anything else. The cold when... is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, like never once has it been cold on Halloween. I I don't know what to tell you. That that's inaccurate. <laughs> that's wildly untrue. It just feels that way. I don't know. <laughs> We're just used to Halloween being a summer sport. It's not always, and it's not supposed to be. <laughs> the woes of living in Texas. It's only cold if the world decides. Hey, I think we're gonna throw a cold front out here. Yeah. Barring a weather incident, we're not cold. No. That's accurate. That is very accurate. Um, I guess we've been, I've been saying we were going to do this all month and we never really got to it because there's been other funny stuff going on. Uh, but I guess we could do like uh, scary stories or something here. Okay. Do, do you got any good spooky ones? Uh, not as of late because I'm incredibly hunkered down true 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 um i mean i guess i could always just tell my stories we haven't i haven't told my stories on here in a while yeah i guess that's what we can do we'll start with uh i'll start with this one this one's just sort of like spooky uh and i don't feel bad about telling it now because it's dead so it's okay to tell the story um uh, my grandmother, my my nana, she was uh, she was psychic. Now she notoriously didn't sleep. She didn't like to sleep at all. Um, so she would just stay up and watch TV like all night. And the conversation about that was always um, when you were little it was oh she just doesn't like to sleep. So you know it's not a big deal. As we got older, it, it would come out. Well, when Nana sleeps, sometimes she sees things and she doesn't like to do that. So she doesn't like to sleep. And basically, Nana's dreams weren't dreams a lot of times, but actual events that were happening. Well, that's terrifying. Uh, so, okay, I'll give, I'll give this example. Uh, first of all, my grandpa, uh, both also he's passed. His name was Paul. That wasn't his name, that's what we called him. Um, but, uh, Paul was not like, uh, he's a very typical, you know, 1950s husband. 
grunts were basically his version of the English language. Uh, not a, not a great like romantic type, anything like that. Um, there was one summer though, where the kids were all out of the house for the whole summer. Uh, so one day he comes home and he decides taking the wife on a date, we're going to do it up big dinner and a movie, the whole bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they go to dinner. They're sit. They sit down to see a movie. And when they sit down, apparently my grandmother gets a vision uh, that my mom has been run over by a horse. And she says, we have to we have to leave right now. Dawn's been hurt and we have to go home. We have to leave right now. And uh, he's like, what? Really? And she's like, yeah, we're, we're going. So they go home. Now, on the other side of the story, my mom is in Europe. My grandmother did this thing where she was a pen pal to a, a not to a family in Europe. Funny, but okay. And it, it was older like people did stuff differently back then. I might get a pen pal. I'm like I don't know. It seems interesting. Uh, anyway, the kid of the family they sent the kid one summer to live with them in Baytown for a few months, and my. My mom went to stay with the family one time, one summer for a few months. What the heck? So she was literally in Europe living with the Pen Pal family. Um, for the, for I think like a month or something. It was like a long European trip that she got to go on because the Pen Pal family was there. Um, and they had a kid her age, kind of a whole thing. Anyway, they're out in, I think, Switzerland or something. I don't know the countries. I'll have to, I'll have to check with my mom on that. But, Anyway, she's horseback riding, and she falls off the horse, and the horse runs over her. And I don't remember if she breaks anything or not, but very scary incident, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone panics for a minute. So, but the problem is there's a huge time difference. Right, yeah. Uh, I don't even, I don't even know so, the time difference there. It's like right. half a day. So when, my, so when my grandma gets home, she has to wait. Because I think it's like midnight there or something. And so she's trying to wait to call. So she waits until like 7 in the morning there to call. And it turns out that my mom had been run over by the horse the night before. And was like, ah, she's fine. She's just in a, you know, she's laying around today, blah, blah, blah. But we were real scared last night. But she's okay. But my grandma already knew. And, like, the second it was a good time to call, she rang up, like, Europe and was like, what's going on? What happened to my daughter? <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of a bit. Because I think where, where she was when she got hurt, they were, like, hours from town and et cetera and et cetera. And by the time they got into town with a hurt person, it had been even longer. And so, like, it took forever for actual communication to happen. That's crazy. No cell phones back then. Yeah, I don't know how people live like that. I gotta tell you, dude, like, sometimes when you really think about, like, how stuff got done without cell phones, I don't even know. Yeah, like, I feel like it'd be hard to even commit crimes now. Just because, like, everyone has a cell phone, everyone does stuff online. So I'm rewatching The West Wing right uh -huh. now. And everybody's running around and it's phone calls and all that. And, like, sometimes you can't get a hold of people and blah, blah, blah. And We've got two hours. Somebody get a hold of them in the next two hours or it can't happen. Blah, 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 blah. 
that's got to be completely different with the cell phone. Yeah. Like, the way a White House is run now is probably almost exclusively via text. Text and really quick phone calls, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, well, the quick phone calls were already happening, though, and then meetings are already happening, but... No, I mean, but, like, talking to people all over the place. Yeah, but, like, the idea, though, that, like, when they need something done, but they... We gotta talk to so-and-so and find out what it is that they need, or whatever, you know what I'm saying, like... So they get it, there's a guy sitting on a landline just calling the dude at his house every 15 minutes. (laughs) Right, that's what... uh, You know, like... Uh, Josh Lyman's one of the main characters in the show and his assistant is Donna and there's so many times where he's like Donna, dial them until you get them and when you get them, transfer them to me I'll be in Toby's office and you're like, oh god, we gotta get a hold of so and so but like, nowadays it would just be a text, hit me as soon as you get this emergency right (laughs) like (laughs) the way things work now is vastly different in that regard um but yeah, so then there was another time with my grandma where she literally, uh, she, I mean, this is a really bad story. Uh, she basically saw a rape and murder that occurred. Oh, God. Um, okay, so she didn't physically see it. She saw it in her head when she slept. She saw it in a dream. And she saw it from the point of view of, it turns out, a little girl. Um, yeah, to understand how this story, you have to understand how Baytown was back at this point. This is mid nineties and Baytown is scary and pretty violent and kind of starting to go downhill pretty quick. Um, and as a matter of fact, growing up, there was always this apartment complex, literally at the front of my grandmother's neighborhood. And over the years, that apartment complex had just gotten worse and worse and worse. And literally, it's just um, – there's not like a gate or anything. The through street that that is the heart of my grandmother's neighborhood that my grandmother's house was on, literally at the front of it, there was just an apartment complex. Like if there were addresses, the apartment complex would be number one, and then like the first house would be like number 12 on the street. You know what I mean? Like the apartments are literally the front of the street. Right. So, they're not even a quarter of a mile, like, very close. Probably, probably 20 houses. Um, she's close enough to the main roads that one time a drunk driver ran his car into their house. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so, she's pretty close to these apartments, okay? And apparently what happened was... There was this horrible case. This is mid-90s. Oh, man, I wish I could remember the, the, the girl's name. We used to, like, our family used to, like, remember the case because of how, because of the story, honestly, because of the story. The story is very creepy a little bit. Um, and so basically what happened was this little girl goes missing from the, these apartments in Baytown. And I'll, I'll tell the story from the point of view of us as the family because – there were times it was easy to believe my grandma, and then there were other times where I always go back and forth. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical about this kind of stuff. Like I, I do believe I've had ghost encounters, so I believe in ghosts. I don't know what they are. I don't necessarily know that they're ghosts. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I do believe there's some sort of supernatural spiritual energy 
beings or creatures or things that happen. I do believe that. Uh, I'm not sure how something like this happens. And so sometimes I talk myself out of believing that it happens, but this story was very real in our family. Like it went on over a span of a couple of weeks and it was a really dark, scary story kind of in our family where it was like, I can't believe this is happening kind of a thing. Uh, anyway, this girl goes missing from the apartments and uh, kind of out of the blue, my grandma just goes, you know, you know, I hope they find her. Um, but they're not even they're not even looking for the body yet, so it's gonna be a while before they find her, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so then we're kind of like, oh, well, what does that mean exactly? And so then she kind of tells us that she she saw it happen. She knows what happened. That the girl was uh, a guy came into the, came into her room via the window, snatched her up, took her somewhere, did terrible things to her, then killed her put her in a black plastic trash bag and then buried her in the ground uh, in a shallow grave. And, you know, she's very upset as she's telling the story, crying. It's, it's a hard story. Mm-hmm. But she gets it out. She tells us what she saw. Well, it's one of those tough things where it's like, you start to think about the other spooky times, not as, you know, been right psychically and like you're like okay well i mean she's right these other times so more than one maybe that is what really you know what i'm saying like you're starting to question it's like well that's awful but i i want to believe you're not right yeah exactly like that's it's such a terrible thing that you want to you don't want to believe it but then you also you know that more than likely it's true and and i want to be really really clear about this to listeners i want to be very clear about something my grandmother was super religious and wanted zero attention and wanted nothing to do with this whole thing that she had where she could do stuff like this. She didn't control it. She didn't do it on purpose. She could. She wasn't trying to I mean, she didn't it, run a side business channeling things. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it, it actively caused her harm because she couldn't sleep at night. Correct. And beyond that, she didn't tell people. She wasn't. She never bragged about it. It wasn't like it. She was a so, she was a very social older woman. Cards and coffee with friends from church and things like that. She never, but this wasn't like a cool parlor trick or anything like that. Like she didn't tell people, and she was so religious that she didn't want my uncle playing Dungeons and Dragons because she was pretty sure it was devil worship because the news said so. So like, she wanted nothing to do with visions from the devil. Okay, like she was very sure. She was very certain that this was some sort of demonic curse and that she was broken. Um, but it didn't tell people. She didn't want anyone to know that she could do this. Um, but the longer this case goes on, like it was it was a couple, you know how sometimes the media would get focused on something? Yeah. The, the local news was like, hey, where's this girl? Hey, this girl's still missing. Like, hey, we, we got to find this girl. And so finally my parents, the, the family convinced my grandmother that if the kid didn't turn up, if the investigation didn't shift into looking for the body and the kid didn't turn up by like a certain time, that she needed to, she needed to, to contact the police. Um, and she uh, eventually she reluctantly agrees to that. She says, okay, if, if, if they don't find her by 
X time, then I'm going to contact the police. Well, almost within a day of that, the news has shifted gears, and now they're looking for a person of interest, and it's this sketch of a guy, and it's the same description that my grandma gave of the guy in her dream. And apparently he's been seen around the neighborhood and the apartments, and apparently he's creepy and, and awful. And I don't actually know if they ever catch the guy. Uh, I don't remember that part. But the following summer, they do eventually find the body of the little girl. And she is, in fact, buried in a trash can, in a trash bag. Horrifying. Um, but I, I remember I was like 11 or 12 when this happened. And I just remember vividly, like, like it was a weird way to see something like this. Because in TV shows and Jennifer Love Hewitt speaks to ghosts and cures people's problems and all that. And movies like Sixth Sense where, like, you know, the dead are whispering to the little kid. But it's, it's like, in reality, how it was for my grandmother was like this terrifying real-life dream that nobody was ever going to believe her, like, if she told anybody. Like, her own fa- like we struggled to believe her, you know what I mean? Yeah, you guys were still like, oh, I don't know about this one, Chief. And it's because it's such a far-out story. And believe me, I, I recognize that it's a far-out story. I, I just also know that we all experienced it and so he's all watched it happen basically right and it was it was such a weird thing um and there were other instances i don't recall as much because around the time that she moved from baytown i think i was starting to get into middle school we started kind of going there less over time friction starts to develop in families and like we didn't really spend a ton of time with my grandma over the last like 20 years or so uh she passed last year um but there was definitely a long period of time where i don't don't know if she we'd ever really talked about it for a long time after that um there's really no telling well yeah honestly like what do you say you know what i mean like it's it's not crimes that happen it's not it's not something you you casually bring up in conversation Hey, it's like, so you still it's like, hey, hey, Nana, a long time murder? no see. <laughs> yeah, you witnessed any murders recently in your right. dreams? Well, and also, I almost feel like, and I don't, I don't know, this might be incorrect too, but like, if you could do something like that, I almost think, wouldn't you be obligated to like tell people as it happened? I don't know, maybe. I don't know. But, that's it's, sort of, not, that's but it's not problem, like she, right? it's not like she thought it was a good thing though. Like, well no, and I wouldn't tell no no no, and I don't mean that, but I mean like I, but then I hear so many stories where like of those people are are fake and they and they you know, people debunk them and people waste time and energy looking at them as suspect. What I mean is like shouldn't she have called the cops and told them what she knew? But would they have believed her? It's like, what does this old woman in Baytown have to know anything about this? Well, the problem is she lived just close enough to these apartments where maybe it's her. Right. It's like, now you're a suspect. Right. This old woman. And then, like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I I just feel like it would have closed this thing much faster for the family. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not false, but, but it is a hard know. sell. 
but I don't know what the outcome would have been. Like, you know, so the, in the police will tell you that on high profile cases, like a third of the phone calls they get are from psychics offering to help for the reward. Uh, and that's why I mentioned, like, I don't know that it is actually such a good idea to help. Um, because a lot of these people are just seeking attention. Um, and there are also news stations that then, like, go out of their way to get involved in the case once they hear a psychic's involved. Because that's that's crazy news media. That's local news 101 right there. Like, how can we get into this? Uh, and then they try and ruin the psychic's, like, credibility. Uh, and my grandma would just die. First of all, if the news even reported that she was a psychic, they, she would just die. And then beyond that, if if they put her to the test, she would hate that. Because prove it one way or the other, and she would be miserable with both results. Right. Either they're going to be like, see, she's a total fraud. Or see, she's a real psychic. It's like both both situations are awful for her. Right. Neither outcome is the one you want, right? Because then you're either a charlatan trying to just, you know, skim people for money or prey like, on the suffering of other people. Right. Or uh, you're real you're a real like, psychic and it's awful. Yeah, you've tapped into the ethereal like the void between this world and the next, and you see things like mm, which way? Do, which way do you want to go with that? So, yeah, I mean, was, that was, and then growing up, her house was haunted. Um, that was where I had a lot of my paranormal experiences. Um, we'll, uh, I'm looking at the clock here. We'll take, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about some of my own personal paranormal experiences. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do some other stuff too. Who knows? We'll be right back with Nerd Thug. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. Hey, Conros, this is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, hanging out here, just enjoying my quarantine time at home, and I hope everyone else is doing the same, social distancing and minding their manners and listening to the orders while we get all this health stuff, health crisis straightened out and get this pandemic under control. I hope everyone's doing their part to flatten the curve, but doing their part also means supporting small businesses. Local businesses here in Conroe, uh, restaurants, things of that nature that have been able to stay open, they require the support of their community, so takeouts. Uh, is a good option to do. So reach out to those places, order some takeout food if you can afford it and if it's reasonable. Uh, I'm not asking anyone to risk their health, but this, the community has always relied on the, itself to support itself. And this is one of those times where as Conroe, we can stand up together and take care of small businesses and entrepreneurs who've been taking care of us this whole time, helping Montgomery County grow into one of the fastest growing counties in all of America. Uh, thank you very much and stay safe. and Stay tuned for more Nerd Thug Radio. This is Rudy Townjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations. And, of course, we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Um, welcome back to the spooktacular 
pre-Halloween edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Hanging out here on this uh, Friday afternoon. How you doing, Nico? I'm doing well. Getting nice and spooked. Yeah, tomorrow's, you know, the, the halloween Halloween. Halloween-y. Um, so I've been doing, like, research on different, like, fun, like, not scary, but scary stories for, mm-hmm. for this. Um, I found one here that I think is pretty good. All right. Um, so obviously dolls can become haunted, right? There's the, you know, the movie yeah, because they're, they're horrifying, right? You know, the movie Annabelle with the, the haunted doll. Yeah. And essentially like, I think the legend is that the family had lost the daughter and the daughter had loved the doll. And so the family like bonded something to the doll or something. And then like the doll is now haunted and it's so horrific and terrible that, uh, the Warrens, that psychic investigation family, are the people, the only people who can keep it. That's insane. First of all, I would love to meet or go through like their museum or whatever it is. Oh, remember the uh, the lawsuit? Oh, right. They had to prove ghosts are real. Right. Uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there was a lawsuit a long time ago. The Warrens sold commercial ownership of their stories to the guy who wrote the book about them. Fast forward, that book came out in like the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Fast forward to, uh, what are the movies, what's the name of the movies? The Conjurings. That whole franchise, which features the Warrens as well, um, it's basically movies from their files, or it's basically stories from their files and investigations. Well, even though it's not stories specifically from the book about them, he owns that author. He owns uh, all the stories. He bought all the stories from them. So they didn't have permission, the movie studio, to use the Warrens at all. So he and his rights-owning group sued the movie studio for the Conjuring stuff, because there's like eight or nine of these Conjuring movies. The Annabelles, yeah. the Conjurings, the Nun, the whatever the other ones are. Like, There's like eight or nine of them. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, anyway, he was suing them for around a billion dollars, which I think is like half of what they made. And I think that's actually his ownership rate of the... Like, he, he his contract entitles him to 50% of the Warren story. So if you made a movie about the Warrens, you owe him. Um... And so he was entitled to a billion dollars based on how his lawyers had worded everything. And more than likely, it was a valid contract, and movies are notorious for, you know, bad deals anyway. Um, and basically, the defense that the movie studio was building was that the loophole for story, for story ownership is that real-world stories are allowed okay. to be retold. Um, you can't just own ownership on facts. And so I guess that's why other people can do other versions of famous people's stories without their permission kind of a thing. Right. It's um, like, well, as long as I don't get anything wrong. Right. I have to only tell what was like public stuff. If I go, if I start using too much of the parallel stuff from the private stuff, that's where I screw up. 
So essentially the, the movie studio had to prove they were saying that what the Warrens went through was real. Therefore, they were, ha- were going to have to prove in court essentially the existence of ghosts in order to win the lawsuit. Um, obviously, that's probably not what happened. Um, actually, what did happen is a settlement finally came. Also, it turns out that one of the people involved in the lawsuit is this shady guy who's waging like a one-person war against that particular film studio. And so the studio is able to get the lawsuit tossed through like they're saying that this guy's harassing them and this lawsuit is part of that harassment chain. Great. So they got out of having to prove ghosts are real. Um, more importantly, though, this guy literally seeks out everyone with a claim against any movie from that studio and funds the lawsuit. What an absolute chad. Like, apparently he just, apparently he You've never him you've, he's got money to burn. Right. He's never met someone who hated this studio as much as this one guy. <laughs> so when this writer was like, you know, technically I own the, the Warren story, this guy was like, I got you, bro. Let's get him. He said, he said, not a problem. Say less. Well, and so it's, it's always interesting, like, when something like that happens in, in tables turn, momentum shifts, like in a legal battle like that, because then all of a sudden, once the movie studio was able to establish that this guy is kind of her- using the legal system to harass them, different laws kicked in. And so then they had to hold a separate evidentiary hearing on whether or not the, the author was actively participating in harassment or was just unknowingly roped in. So, like, then all of a sudden, the co the co plaintiffs turn on each other. Right now, all of a sudden, we're now we're in a dead heat. Right, because like, if they prove that the writer knew potentially this was a frivolous lawsuit when he got into it, et cetera, et cetera, like he becomes one of the bad guys instead of a guy who's like, "Hey, you guys stole this from me." Right, but I mean, they did steal it from him. They did steal it from him. They absolutely did. But it's just interesting how... And that's why they settled, or else they would have fought it until they didn't have to pay anyone. Right. Doesn't it kind of make, like... There's a real shady element to movie making, right? Oh, no, for sure. Well, I mean, like, it, movies have always been kind of weird. Like, that. I'm taking a film appreciation class, and we're always, you know, reading about, like, the weird, sketchy films, and, like, some some of these films would be, like... Oh, yeah, no, everything's totally kosher, guys. And it's like three people were murdered then from the studio, and no one said anything ever again. <laughs> well, that's like, um, there's a couple films apparently where, okay, obviously in most movies, actors uh, make love or have intercourse in the scene, okay? But it's not real, it's acting, right? Uh, well, then... There's a couple of movies where they they encourage the actors to actually physically no no go ahead and go ahead and just really do it, and we'll uh, we're gonna film that. And we'll watch. And you're like, was that what anyone was banging the door down for? Like, was anyone going, hey, I need the movies where they really do it? Like that's creepy. Where did we? How did we get there for that? Like. 
way we got there was that people are awful. Yeah, that is kind of part of it. You're not wrong about that. Um, and at least in, in those movies, sadly, are known. Um, I have the Chive app on my phone, and every once in a while they do, like, you know, top ten lists. Or, and one of them is, like, one where the actors aren't acting as much as you think they are. And it talks about, like, when people really hurt themselves on set and stuff like that. Um, and then two of them, it names, like, three or four movies where they actors actually did it instead of just pretended to. How is that less awkward, though? It's not less awkward. It's just awful. <laughs> is it that, like someone's so bad of an actor where they're just like, you know what, screw it. Just actually do it. Just forget it. Forget it. Like, we've been here all day. Just, you know what, just go ahead and just physically, just do it. <laughs> just do it. We don't have any more time. Look, just We've shot like 40 takes of this and you guys are awful. Just just do it. Just go ahead and do it. Some weirdo avant-garde directors is like this isn't truthful enough. You know what? Actually do it. I'm I'm tired of waiting. We haven't seen your real you yet. I feel like this is just an excuse. This feels exploitative. Exploitative. <laughs> because it is. Yeah, that's because it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just uh, movie studios definitely take a turn for the weird and for the corrupt. It seems like, and then also just odd. Well, I mean, that's always that's always the problem with people who have tons of money. I feel like, like any industry where it's like you can make a lot of money and or a lot of money may be involved. It's like instantly all the crazy people come out of the woodwork. <laughs> um, I was just watching, uh, I'm not going to remember how the name of it now. It's on Amazon and it's, it's like um, the great big economy in the world or something like that. Um, and it's a multi-episode series about like how money works. First episode was on laundering money. Um, the third episode is about um, are, do you have to be a jerk? I'm using a different word than they do to be a CEO. And it talks about how there was a therapist who did like a psychological evaluation of a couple different CEOs and then extrapolated that data. And basically, in the world, socio, the rate of sociopaths is like 0.001%. And then, but amongst CEOs, it's like 0.004%. It's like, so not necessarily, but you're probably. Yeah, like it's, it's higher amongst these guys. Um, and so they, basically they were going around and trying to be, to, to see like, if they're like, if, if they're rich and successful, are they jerks? Or is it the other way around? Or, like, it, does one require the other kind of a thing? Right. And, um... If A, then B, or is it if B, then A? Right. Like, like, do you have to be a jerk to be successful? Or are successful people just hardwired to be jerks? Um, one of the guys they talked to made a really interesting point where he was like, well, listen, when you're an innovator, when you're a startup guy, like, any company you come up with is going to turn the an industry over on its head, so you're always a jerk. There's no getting around that. 
And uh, at first, the guy was like, no, that's not real. Then he goes, really? He goes, well, think about this. Like, the guy who started Uber, he had to have known he was going to piss off a million taxi drivers. There's no way he didn't think about that. And you're like, yeah, that's probably fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably fair. It's like, yeah, 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 I see, I see. And stuff like that is what happens. Like, yeah, anytime you're changing an industry, you have to think that there's going to be people in it who are like, uh, what are you perfectly doing? fine with it being the way it was. Yeah, like they were making their living there. Well, like, I'll give this example. So, obviously, I help out the Marini's people from time to time. Um, they work with uh, DoorDash, okay? That's mm-hmm. the only one of the del- delivery services that they work with. Well, Uber Eats will call the store and place an order as though they're the customer. And they'll come in and they'll pay. And then they'll ask for a printed receipt. Well, this location doesn't do printed receipts. We email or we text them. And the people will be like, oh, well, I need a, I need a printed receipt to get reimbursed at my company. This isn't really my food. I'm a delivery driver. And it's like, well, that's not our problem. <laughs> One, not our problem. Yeah. Two... Sorry to break it to you, Chief. Well, and it also means like Uber Eats is literally just middlemanning delivery. Like they took the Marini's menu, put it on their website, and is just doing this. Yep. That's crazy to me. Like what kind of business is that? What kind of model is that? It's a really weird one. Like, oh, you want Marini's? I'll go get it for you. And then they just <laughs> go and then come back. They go, they go, they buy it, and they bring it to you. And then they're like, yeah, it'll be however much I paid for. Right. It'll be what Thank I paid for plus some. And you got to tip me. And here's your Uber fee. Like, <laughs> they, they're they probably making like 8 or $9 on top of what it already costs. That's still one of my favorite videos on the internet. It's just this guy dancing with Taco Bell. It's like me me chilling, enjoying my $27 Taco Bell. <laughs> it's really weird if you're going to do like an Uber Eats situation to do fast food. That's for sure. Well, like, it's the same. <laughs> like, it'd be so much better for you to just do it yourself and you're paying so much more for right. it. Right. If you're gonna pay that much more for it, get spend money on food. Like, yeah, get get real good yeah, food. Send them to a restaurant, not a fast food joint. Like the worst I'll do is like the fast dining, like the burritos or Chipotle or something. But like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna send them to McDonald's. I'll drive to McDonald's. Like, forget it. Like, I can go to McDonald's. There's no reason. Right. And that's and that's the and that's economics one hundred and one. You'll pay someone to do something you don't want to do. That's true. That's true. But there is a limit on how much I'm willing to pay and what I'm willing to pay for. Exactly. No, and that's your thing. That's your limit. Somebody else thinks otherwise. They're like, I have twenty dollars to spend. I'm going to buy Taco Bell for delivery. And, and so you know, you're spending twenty dollars on five dollars worth of food. To be fair, a lot of times on Uber Eats. And those—that's the company I use for for my deliveries. If I'm getting food, um, I'll only use like they always show a menu of. There's a driver close to one of these restaurants, so if you if you order the next five minutes, 
it's free delivery because they're already out in that like they're already yeah. there. Uh that's almost exclusively what I order from when I Uber Eat. Well, like that that makes your that makes the decision making process a lot easier because you're like, oh, I'm not sure what I want. There's a person close to here who can get free delivery. Man, that's good well, and for that's, me. And that, honestly, that's part of it. Like, if I can have anything, like, because typically I'm limited. Okay, I either have something I want, like in my mind, I know exactly what I want, so then I'll just go, or I only am willing to drive 15, 10 minutes away. So that limits what restaurants I can go to, or I could, I could, I don't care what I eat. I could eat anything because I have a favorite thing at all these places. Now I need some other limiting factor. And that's where something like that Uber Eats comes in. That makes it easy. Wild. Keeps it keeps it simple. Because otherwise, like, you're right. Like, I, I mean, especially if someone else is going to go get it for me. Like, you know, I don't even have to leave my house. Ooh. I'm not even going to put on pants for this. Um, Especially not with contactless delivery. Although I had one guy, like, I do the contactless delivery on these things. I had one guy who still rang the doorbell and stood there and handed it to me and wanted to talk to me about it. And I was like, this is not contactless. Yeah. I still think it's weird because one time I just get a phone call from a random number and I'm like, hello? He's like, pizza's by the door and then hangs up. And I'm like, thanks. (laughs) It'd be weirder if you didn't order pizza or it'd be weirder if pizza was a person beat up at your door. Please help me. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, what <laughs> happened to you? <laughs> this is a warning. <laughs> Big Tony says pay your protection. <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> Turns out they had like the zip code wrong, so it was like totally in the wrong <laughs> place. The wrong place. <laughs> oh, I didn't do my doll story that I had. Okay, you ready? This is in 2013. This is apparently a true story reported by the Houston Chronicle in Houston at the time. Um, Someone had bought their kid an Elsa doll. Mm -hmm. And over time, it started started out singing, uh, singing the songs in English and saying certain phrases in English from the movie. Over time, it started to say some of the phrases in Spanish. And started to sing some of the songs in Spanish. Um, The family just thought it's wear and tear. That's kind of weird. Uh, The Chronicle was reporting on it, so I'm guessing that it's a little bit more than that. Like, there's not, there's not a button to push to go back and forth between English and Spanish on these dolls. So that's kind of already odd. Um, Then it went all the way over to just Spanish. Um. All right, the all catalyst right. incident that forced it over to all just Spanish, they started turning it off. It would still sing or talk when it wanted to, though. Ooh, that's so weird. the family put it in the garbage and said, Elsa has to go, okay? So mm-hmm. they throw Elsa away. Uh, a couple days later, she turns up in the living room singing now all in Spanish. Whoa. So the family... Then throws her away a second time and goes on vacation. Because in their head, like, maybe one of the girls dug her out of the trash. They're not really supposed to play in the trash, but maybe that's what happened. We're going to fix it. We're going to throw away as we leave. When we come back, she'll be gone. Uh, so they throw her away. They leave. 
they come back, uh, they find her in the backyard singing in Spanish again. Ooh, that's horrifying. They then... Oh, God, it keeps going. They then sent her to a friend in another state who now has the doll duct taped to the front of his truck, apparently. And it has stayed there since then. I mean, that, I mean that's, that's a, somehow an even creepier ending to that story than I was anticipating. Yeah, it is a little weird that they duct taped the else, but that's where the, that's how the story ends. I don't know why. Maybe this guy has several dolls. I don't know. Maybe he collects haunted dolls. I'm not sure. There's there's a lot to that. Duct tape to, to the front, like it's like that one. It's like the ending scene to Toy Story three. <laughs> Where they, the guy like staples lots out of the front of his garbage truck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure why, but that's that's how that story ends with the haunted Spanish Elsa doll duct taped to the front of a truck. Horrifying. Truly and utterly horrifying. You gotta think a doll that makes two comebacks is definitely like, well, I guess she's part of the family. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, Spanish Elsa, I think this is where we <laughs> part ways. Listen, it was good to see you again, but it ain't gonna work for us. Oh, man. This is where, like, if story's gonna get picked up and it's gonna be like a Spanish Elsa doll goes missing and then like ends up in their backyard again <laughs> years later. Oh my god, how terrifying would that be? Or, or like there's an accident, the, the truck gets destroyed, no one knows where the doll is, and like it shows up at like the girl's college dorm or something. Oh, even better, like, the guy ends up duct taped to the front of the truck. I mean, now we're just making a horror movie. <laughs> um, Alright, so we got, we got about seven or eight minutes here, is that about right? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Uh, no, um, you're good. Go ahead and do The Adventure Begins right here, and then I'll, I'll try and tell an abbreviated version of my story. An abbreviated version of it. So... The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is open and at full operating hours. If you want to come inside, you are going to need some masking. Uh, they do have table space available, first come, first serve, and they do have private rooms. And if you want to be a little bit safer, they do have delivery and curbside options available. Uh, they are still running some casual meetups if you want to come inside the store. But the big news is that we have November 28th is the big Digimon Super pre-release sale. Uh, it's going to be a huge tournament. Limited, I say huge, 20 people because of coronavirus. 20 is a lot more than anything we've had so far. True. This is our big event. Uh, we'll be there all day. We'll be there in the store. The big 20-person double elimination tournament with prize packs available. It's going to be a grand old time. Come on down to our first, our first big event of 2020 right there at the very end. We wanted to get at least one in. That's right. Um, we're going to be hanging out there all day, trying to kind of get some things going with that. We'll, we'll let you know what's happening. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be able to sign copies of another day at the office, which may still be on the shelves at that point. I'm not sure. They're kind of selling out of the, of the new book. Um, 
hopefully the DMA will be out by then, and uh, maybe you'll be able to buy a couple copies of that from The Adventure Begins. When you look at that. Um, okay, so I'll tell this story. So my grandma's house, uh, on top of her potentially being psychic, the house was also actively haunted by a mischievous entity of some kind. Um, not evil, uh, but but wanted attention. It wanted people to know it was there. It wanted interaction of some kind. Um, it would do little things. My grandma was a neat freak, so it would do stuff to mess with her. It would move chess pieces. It would uh, rearrange china in the china cabinet. Uh, it would just do dramatic things. Uh, one time, my dad famously was like, there's no such thing as ghosts. You guys are freaking out over nothing. And he had bought a cookie jar that was shaped like a soccer ball uh, that was on top of a fridge. And the lid, specifically only the lid of the cookie jar, smashed across the kitchen. Um, It's it's one of those impressive things. Like, you're stuck scratching your head. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, you're like, obviously, only the top would fall. Right, Duh. and it was one of those tops that, like, sits in it. So You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a cookie jar. Like, they, they're supposed to stay it was, put. It was a... There's not a good, like... It's weird. It's weird. And then because it was only the top that did it, you're like, it, it's, it's a heavy, it's a bigger... Soccer ball was a good-sized soccer ball. Like, there's not a good explanation for how that would happen. So you're just kind of stuck with... Spooky. <laughs> You're just sort of stuck with, oh my. Um, <laughs> that was indeed quite spooky. So that happened. And there was one specific thing that would happen regularly, which is if you were trying to make a call at a certain time, I don't, somewhere between 9 and 10 o'clock, if, there, if you were trying to make a phone call at a certain time, and that was a, it was like a five or six minute window. If you picked up the phone, you couldn't, uh, in old, in old, in olden times, before everyone had cell phones, when there were still landlines, a landline meant leaving the house. There was only one line, no matter how many phones were in the house. So, at my grandma's house, mm-hmm. there were a couple. There were a phone in a couple places. There was a phone in her bedroom, a phone in the kitchen, which was like the main area, and then there was, I think, there was a phone like in the laundry room because it, like, it was so loud back there, you wouldn't hear the phone ringing otherwise, kind of a thing. Um. Mm-hmm. But basically, if somebody else was already making a phone call or already had the phone off the hook, no one else could use the phone. Yeah, and you could always listen in if you right. picked up the because phone. Because essentially, it was already active. The line was already hot. You know what's weird is that no, like kids nowadays will never know the joys of sneaking into somebody's phone call. On the that was a creepy thing to say right there. Well, like, it was just Did you weird. listen to people's phone calls a lot? Is that do we need to talk about this? No, I would just I would just bother my mom because she'd be on the phone and then I'd pick up the phone and be like, "Hey, I have done that." Where like, just like you're you're getting onto them because they're on the phone already. You're like, "Hey, uh, Dad wants to know when dinner is." <laughs> just kind of on the phone to bother them. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh. At my grandma's house, there would be this specific period of time where you couldn't use the phone because it was as though somebody else was already on the other line. But you couldn't hear any talking, but you also couldn't dial out. The phone was active. 
Um, my grandma had, had the phone the phone people come check the line to make sure there wasn't anything necessarily wrong with it or there wasn't something weird or there wasn't a wire cross with the neighbor. Uh, but it, it was what it was. You just – you couldn't make a phone call. Well, I remember being young and loving going to my grandma's house because there was a kid – and I was so young, I didn't understand this. But I, I thought there was a kid like in the neighborhood who just would know that I was over and would come over and hang out and play with me. And so I would keep to myself. I'd be up in the room playing He-Man figures by myself for hours and hours and hours, according to my mom. But in reality, I was playing with, I thought, like a kid in the neighborhood. Like we could just play all the time, blah, 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 having a good time, playing, playing, playing. He-Man, me and him were playing He-Man. Like we had a blast. I remember really enjoying my time hanging out with this kid. Well, so uh, one time I invited him to my house, and we and I asked my mom, hey, can Casper come stay with us? And she's like, yeah, whatever. So anyway, the kid comes over, and he's at my house for the week, and I get in trouble for stuff going on that I didn't I didn't do. And my mom getting on to me, hey, go to bed. I have to go to bed. I can hear you playing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm in bed. It's Casper. And she's like, well, tell Casper to stop. All week, I'm telling mom, hey, remember to make Casper a plate. Like, we're doing this whole thing. And she's like, you're not an imaginary friend type, so you need to grow up. Like, we're over this. And I wasn't the imaginary friend type. I didn't have that kind of a thing. Um, anyway, fast forward, she goes back to her mom's house. And as we're leaving, she's like, make sure you bring Casper. Because, like, she's tired of my BS at this point. Um, and so I said, okay. Well, we get back to my to my mom's house or to my grandma's house. My mom goes to make a call, and of course, it's the same time that in that you can't make a phone call. And she makes a comment out loud. She's like, "Oh God, like mom, you got to get this fixed. It's so dumb. Like this is so weird. It's creepy." And she's like, "Oh, is it doing it again? That's weird. It hasn't done it all week." And my mom like goes nuts about that. And also, my mom was like, "Are you sure? Like, has anything happened all week? Are you sure?" And my grandma's like, no, it's been really quiet this whole week. Why? And so then my mom is like, Corey, you can't invite Casper over anymore. You're yeah. like, whack. And my mom tells me the story for the first time, probably I'm 36. She told me this eh, like 15 years ago. She tells the story for the first time in front of me. And I had this vivid memory of this kid. And like it really kind of tripped me out because I didn't I didn't realize that anyone didn't know that she was like yeah you you always could play by yourself but over there you could really internalize and could disappear for like hours just playing by yourself, uh, and I didn't realize that they thought that that's what I was doing like I was like no I, I remember there being a kid there but like now I don't remember what the kid looked like at all. Yeah, it's like. He ingrained himself into your memories, but he didn't have a physical form. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, sort of. But, like, man, I really remember having a good time with this kid. Like, I remember him being super cool. But, like, that's just a, it was such a weird thing. But, yeah. Anyway, all right. So, we're up against it now. On behalf of uh, little brother Nico and myself, on behalf of the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more, uh, same nerds like time, same nerds like channel. Have a happy, safe Halloween. Wash your hands, social distance. If you're going to trick or treat, I guess use as many precautions as you can. Wear a mask. Um, fight the power. Already wearing masks. Got them. Fight the power. Black Lives Matter. Everybody be safe. All right. Everybody enjoy the holiday.